if you will, please, to the book of Nehemiah, shortest prophet in the Bible. Uh, ne- Come on, folks. It's just Monday. Come on. I've been telling everybody, Southerners are fast. We don't have to wait on you. Uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, and we'll take our text from there. I love your pastor. I love just being around him. He is a man with a vision. He can see it. And uh, there's going to, it's like one person told me, they said, I'll tell you why our family comes to this church, because of that man right there. They said, something great is about to happen here. And I want to be here when it happens. And uh, I like that spirit. What a, what a, what a great, great opportunity. I love your facility. The place I preached before didn't look like this. And this is first class. It is nice. Everything is good. I've enjoyed the music. And I'm impressed by the crowd tonight. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. And uh, I know. I I know how it is. I know how. So let's look here, please, in Nehemiah chapter number 8. Nehemiah chapter number 8. And thank you, choir. Thank you, specials. Thank you, uh, music instrumentalists. It's just been wonderful. Nehemiah chapter 8. Here's the background to this passage Nehemiah the layman decided he did not want to just keep a cush job. He said, my nation needs me. Even though it's something little, I'm going to help build the wall. Who would think just putting bricks in a wall would help do anything of national significance? But it's the little things we do for God. He takes them and makes them something wonderful. So the wall in 52 days gets finished after there's been enemies trying to attack and discourage and give them fear. Satan hates any church that's trying to do anything for the gospel's sake. He hates bus ministries. He hates soul winning. He hates special meetings like this. He hates it all. He hates the Christian school, and there'll always be opposition. You can just count on that. Well, finally, they finished the job. The wall is done. And they have the great big celebration. I call it the Baptist potluck. And uh, 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 so they're eating. And notice the verse. You've read it. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10. It says, Then he said unto them, Go your way. Eat the fat. That's for you folks that are on diets. And drink the sweet. That's where sweet tea came from right there. It's in the Bible, folks. And send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto the Lord, neither be ye sorry. Here's the phrase. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let's say that together. You ready? Here we go. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And it's true. It's true. And I want to speak on that subject tonight. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask your blessings upon this time. I just want to say what I ought to say. I've got so much to say, I could testify for days and weeks and months. I've been saved now 51 years. I've been preaching now 48 years. I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of trials, and I've seen a whole lot more blessings. I pray that tonight you'd give us a vision of that. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a young staff member straight out of Bible college, I had all the answers. I knew all about marriage. I'd been married a month. I knew how to raise kids because I didn't have kids. I knew how to pastor a church because I wasn't a pastor. I knew all these things. 
And I knew how to counsel. I knew the Bible. And then being a pastor, I started hearing things like this. Pastor, I don't know how we're going to make it. The doctor called today and the cancer's back. Pastor, my parents told me today they're divorcing. You think we'll get through this? Pastor, we saw my dad arrested on television last night. He committed a national crime. Are we going to be okay? Pastor, there was a struggle in our kitchen. A gun went off. They took my dad away. They covered his face in the ambulance. He's dead. They've charged my mother with the killing. Pastor, I tested positive for AIDS. My sin has finally caught up with me. Pastor, what do I do? I came downstairs last night and I saw my godly father on the internet looking at pornography. Here's about what I say in my counseling sessions now. I have no idea what to tell you. But I can tell you this. Don't even try to make it without joy. Joy is God's supernatural strength. You say, well, what would God know about living? Folks, that's why Jesus came to the earth. He didn't come straight from heaven at age 33 and become crucified. He lived a life in a human body to feel the tears, the struggles, the temptations, the betrayals, the homelessness, the disappointments. He came to earth. He can honestly say, whatever you have felt, I have been there, I understand. And so he said, Father, they're going to need something special down there if they're going to make it in life. They're going to need something called joy. The world is searching for it. The billionaires, the millionaires, the rock singers, the performers, the NFL players, the NBA players, uh, those all on the news, the politicians, they're looking for it. They're looking for it in power. They're looking for it in alcohol, in drugs, in women, in men, in relationships, in fame, in fortune, and notoriety, and somehow they're not finding it. Solomon in the Bible it seemed like he had everything we would think it takes to make one happy. He had a thousand mates. He had riches. He had uh, fame. The queen of, queen of England? Was it queen of, no, 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 no queen of Sheba. Uh, actually, queen of England. Queen Elizabeth came, uh, Princess Di came to see us all. The queen of Sheba came to see him. He wrote three books of the Bible. He wrote a thousand and five songs when he sat down to talk, hundreds of people gathered just to hear his wisdom. He was a walking encyclopedia, built the greatest building ever built. But at one point in his life, he says, therefore, I hated life. Solomon was suicidal, said, I can't stand being alive. He had no joy. Happiness. It's not the same as joy. Joy comes from God. Happiness comes from happenings. You've heard the story. A lady one day was uh, cleaning out her little bird cage. She had a bird. His name was Chippy. And Chippy was a parakeet, and, and she decided she wouldn't just pull the paper out and change it. She would stick in a vacuum cleaner hose and just suck up the debris. 
just very, very in, ingenuitive. ingenuitive. Well, the telephone rang. She picked up the phone as the hose went in and she pulled up the hose and Chippy went in and disappeared. After a little while, she goes, Chippy got sucked into the vacuum cleaner. She turned off the vacuum cleaner hose and dumped the debris and Chippy out and Chippy's just all trashy looking and filthy. And she goes, oh, he's so, so filthy. And she put Chippy under the water faucet. Now he looked like a drowned woodstock. She said, Chippy's going to die of pneumonia or maybe even COVID. He didn't have a mask on. And so she took a blow dryer and began blow drying Chippy and his feathers went all in disarray. Well, she finally put Chippy back in the cage. It's a miracle. Chippy lived, but he never sang again. He just kind of stared out the cage blankly and looked. You ever feel like Chippy? You go to work, you get drenched with temptation and negativity. You turn on the television and you feel like you're just sucked up into this world. and Everything's negative. We're dying of AIDS and now you have to go to sleep with a mask. You have to, you have to swallow a mask. You've got to be vaccinated. It's two and then it's a, it's a booster and then another one. And then you're going to be fired and lose your job and lose your retirement. And, and, and they're going to bury you with a mask. And we've got all these pressures and things and... And then the world says, hey, get in your cage and sing to us. You're a Christian. Where's your smile? Sometimes we lose that joy. Having no joy is like being a carpenter without a hammer, a soldier without a weapon, a doctor without a stethoscope, an evangelist without a Bible. We're not talking about hype. We're not talking about emotions. We're not talking about just jumping a pew and shouting or being slain in the spirit. We're talking about something that is real that comes from God. The joy of the Lord is your strength. How are you going to get through the tough times? You'll never make it without joy. This church will never go forward. You'll never uh, get past COVID. You'll never get back to the soul winning. You'll never have what you ought to have unless you have the strength to go through all of this. And it only comes from the Lord. Heard about a little grandson. A grandfather was a uh, grandparent sitting his grandson. He fell asleep on the couch, had a little facial hair. The grandson thought it'd be funny to take some food from the refrigerator and just kind of put it in grandpa's mustache. He was sound asleep. He had never known. The grandson took some Limburger cheese and kind of just smeared it in his mustache and ran into the other room. Soon the grandfather began sniffing and he said, What's, it stinks in here. It woke him up. He, he, he walked into the kitchen. He said, someone must be cooking. And he, he said, it stinks in the kitchen. Well, soon he went in the living room. He said, it stinks in our whole house. He went out in the front yard. He said, the whole world stinks. You know, I found out when someone doesn't have joy, it's not long before the marriage stinks and the family stinks and the parents stink and the school stinks. And your relationships stink. And the job stinks. And the church stinks. And the choir stinks. And the sermons stink. It's not God or the church. It's the Limburger cheese and the mustache. What is joy? It's the smile on your face. It's the inner strength. It's the giggle on the inside. It's that spiritual adrenaline. It is called the fruit of the spirit. It is an outward expression of an inward truth. It's the strength of the Christian journey. It's present tense. You can have joy today and not have it tomorrow. You can have joy last year and not have it today. The joy of the Lord is my 
strength. In India, they say, joy is not what you possess. It's who possesses you. It is not a luxury. It is a necessity. You cannot live without it. Someone says, well, pastor, since joy is so important, what stops it? What would cause a Christian who was saved on their way to heaven to not have joy? Here it is. It's only one thing given in the Bible. Here it is. Sin. David, who wrote, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David, who chopped the head of uh, Goliath off. David, the giant killer. David, who wrote over a hundred psalms, said this. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. I remember as a teenager being the first one to church, and I was excited when I came tonight. Man, it was a buzz in the parking lot. I could smell that marijuana smoke. I mean, I could hear the rock music playing. I mean, it, no, 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 that was the other church down the street. I'm sorry. But I got out, and it was a bus. I was the first one to church. When the pastor opened the door, I was there. I was the te- man first to church. And then when church ended, the last to leave. Fellowship and talking. All right, go out in the parking lot, fellas. Then we're out in the parking lot. Why? I couldn't get enough of church. But somehow as a teenager, something happened to my heart and I strayed. You know how easy it is to do that, huh? We call it backslide, not back run. How easy during the pandemic to backslide. Well, now we can't have church. It's uh, nationwide. It's got to be just online. Now you're watching the pastor on TV in your pajamas, eating the Fritos. All right, I think I can hear it. I'm going to the bathroom now. Brushing my teeth now. Yeah, it's invitation time, and it's not the same. That's why the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more, not so less the less, so much the door, uh, uh, more as you see the day approaching. God says, you're going to have more and more discouraging days, so we need church more and more, not less and less. I'm afraid that we'll lose some people during this season who will never get back. Who could be here? And I'm not talking about high risk where if someone coughed, you'd be dead the next day. I'm not talking about that. I'm high risk myself. I shouldn't even be here. I think I tested positive yesterday. No, not really. Sin causes it. And finally, it was at a teen camp on a Monday night. I shook my pastor. I said, I need to get right with the Lord. And I left camp that night. Life was in black and white. And when I prayed and got my heart right with the Lord, everything was in living color. And all of a sudden, I had the sweetest youth group in the world and the smartest parents in the world. And my pastor started studying and his sermons got better overnight. What happened? I got the joy back. Let me encourage you. If you've lost the joy in the last 18 months, you can get it back. God says, I've got it. It's your strength. You can't make it without it. The greatest joy in heaven is over salvation. There is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. The second greatest joy is when one of God's children comes home. Comes home. Jesus had it. He he was anointed with the oil of gladness, not the oil of sadness, not the oil of madness. Gladness. 
Someone ought to paint Jesus with a smile on his face. He always looks depressed and suicidal in every picture. It looks like he's got about a three-inch bicep. He's in some pink robe, looks feminine. Maybe his nails are glossed over with clear polish. I don't know. Someone ought to paint him with about a 24-inch bicep. He was a carpenter, 22-inch neck. I mean, a six-pack. The Savior. I believe he could tell a joke. People loved to be around him. He multiplied the lunches. He did miracles. He did them different every time. Thousands flocked around Jesus. Why? Because of his joy. The Bible says on the cross, and for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Even though he was bleeding, he said, but I've got joy. I've got strength to get through this. The disciples had it. The Bible said that people looked at them and they said, ye look drunk. And I like the reply. They said, we're not drunk. It's just the sixth hour of the day. As if to imply Baptists don't get drunk to the ninth hour of the day. When's the last time someone asked you if you were drunk and you weren't? They had joy. Paul and Silas had it. Their backs were beaten. They were thrown into the innermost part of the dungeon. They're bleeding. And at midnight, they're saying, we're going to sue you. They got on Facebook, hey, we hate these people. They posted it on social media. No, they didn't. They sang and praised God. And after a few hours of singing and praising God, the jailer bounced in and said, hey, what must I do to be saved? What do I have to do to have what you have? That's what he was saying. They had joy. Billy Sunday said, a religion that makes a Christian look sick will not attract the world. It's our billboard. You've got a beautiful facility here. Y'all have got great music, great staff, great members. But you know the key is going to be joy. Your building and all this stuff, it'll get them here once. But that joy in this room will keep them here until they go to heaven. It's just something about it. It's joy. I was in a store years ago doing a little shoplifting, excuse me, a little shopping, I think, a little shopping. And I was whistling when I came in, not at people, I was just whistling. And I think it was one of the hymns, maybe I'll sing tonight. Uh, it was this one. I think it was that one, uh, that hymn, uh, How Great Thou Art, or something. And, and I was whistling that, and as I came in the store, uh, I was checking out, and the checkout man said, My, you look happy. And I said, You'd be happy too if you were on your way to heaven. And he bowed his head. He said, I am, but I'm not right with the Lord. I said, Man, let me give you a track. Man, you ought to come to our church. He came. He got his heart right with the Lord that night at church. Soon after that, he was baptized. He started coming faithfully. Less than a year later, he surrendered to preach. He went to Colorado and started a church, pastored that church 25 years. Not because of a great soul winner, not because of a great sermon, someone was whistling. Maybe there ought to be a little whistling around Hattiesburg and a little pep in our step and a smile on our face and a song in our heart. That attracts people because you don't see that much. So here's the story, and I'll get to the points. 
You say, I haven't got the point yet. I know, it's okay, it's okay. Years ago, when I was on staff, I needed to borrow a car, a, a car someone had mine. And so I just walked into the office and I said, uh, does anyone have a car I can borrow? And a fellow named Stacy, he said, here's my keys. I said, thanks. And he had a Toyota Corolla. I'd never driven a, a, an American car like that before. Toyota Corolla. And I got in that Toyota and I cranked it up and the needle went all the way from below E up to E. <laughs> Never borrow a car from a Baptist. It's always on empty and they think you're a better Christian than them. You'll fill it up or something. And uh, so, so I took the keys right back. I said, here you go, Stace. Appreciate it, but no thanks. I said, I don't want to run out of gas. He goes, no, 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 no. He said, Toyota E don't mean E. E means almost E. He said, it's still got 35 miles. He said, if it's on E, you still got 35 miles. I said, I don't think so. Here's the key. You ever been, you ever been driving a car and you're on E? Kids, you ever been around your parents and it's on E? And it's, all of a sudden it goes, shh, we're on E. As if, shh, we'll help you. Turn the radio off. We're on empty. Turning the radio off doesn't help you. Put the windows up. Be quiet. We're on E. We're going to run out of gas. None of that helps you. I wonder how many of you at some time have prayed for God to do a miracle and put gasoline in your car because you didn't fill it up. You've been there. Oh, Lord. I know you hadn't heard from me in a while. But Lord, don't let me run out of gas. Come on now. I love you. Please, please help me get to the station. You been there? Help me. Don't let us run out of gas. And about that time, you pass the station and it says $3.99 per gallon. And you go, no way. And you pass it up. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, you kind of have this picture going through your mind. And it's a picture of you. You had time to stop. You had money to pay. But you thought you could go a little bit farther without the fuel. You never see a happy gas can carrier. I've never seen one skipping down the street, <laughs> blowing kisses or waving on the street corner. They're miserable, they're cursing, they're angry, they're embarrassed, they're upset. No one poses for pictures with an empty gas can. Hey, my selfie, this was me on vacation. We had a great time. No, you don't. Want... This is not joyful. And so here's what God says. Hey, you don't have to live your life with the gas can. There's two types of people in this room. You're living life with an empty gas can. Your mate knows it, your kids know it, your parents know it, your pastor knows it, your best friends know it. They know if this is you. And then there's others who are living on full. And they got the music blaring and the windows down and the air conditioner on and they're talking at the top of their lungs. How come? They're filled with joy. Do you have it? I want to name the, the joy pumps that God gives us in the Bible that are free. And they are free. Let me hasten. We got four minutes. I don't think I'll do it all in four minutes. One, learn to laugh at yourself. Learn to laugh at yourself. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. 
Merry means lighthearted. What's that mean? Lighten up. Lighten up. I moved to California. I waved at someone one day. They pulled the car over and said, what do you want? I said, come on, man. I just moved here. I've been here a week. It's called a wave. It's like a southern tradition. One guy at church one time, I just said, hey, man, how you doing? He goes, what do you mean by that? Lighten up. Learn to laugh at yourself. Years ago, I was coming back to the Sacramento airport. I went to a church, brought all these books to sell. No one bought anything, so I packed them all up. I had them in two suitcases on wheels. So I'm rolling them back to the car, and as I'm coming across the parking lot, I see something moving next to my car. And I look, I thought maybe I was hallucinating. Sure enough, there was something right next to my car. I looked on the ground. It must have been a baby because it had a rattle in its tail. I said, are you kidding me? And I said, well, I'll just get in on the other side. And then I thought, conscience sake, well, you know, it's going to be some little old lady come to her car and it's going to bite her and kill her. And it's going to be my fault. Now, you know, I looked up, I said, Lord, I don't have a gun. I don't have a machete. I don't even have my sling with me. And it seemed like I heard, what is in thine hand? And I just said, Lord, all I have is two suitcases. And then it seemed like I heard, what thou doest, do quickly. I said, all right, here we go. And I took that suitcase and I just rolled over that a rattlesnake. He reared up to strike. I backed up. I rolled over him again. He tried to get away. I rolled over him again. I hit his head. Now he's rolling. Went into lawnmower mode. Man, I just started just back and forth over him. Finally, he, he stops rolling. He's dead. And I thought, where is my wife to see me now? I mean, I have killed a rattlesnake with my own two suitcases. And I stopped after I was glorying a while, and I looked up, and there was a small crowd of people who had gathered. And what's crazy, in a parking lot, you don't see the snake. All they saw was this gray-haired guy just with these suitcases, smiling and just having a great time. You're going to have to learn to laugh at yourself. I don't know if you noticed it, but I have not won the prize the last 20 years of the tallest pastor in the world. I baptized the record for our church this last year. A man that weighed 550. 550. 550 pounds. When I found out he was coming, I said, they'll take 10 yards of material for the baptistry rope. I just said, hey man, you're wearing your own clothes. We, we do not have a robe for you. He got down that water. He took those steps coming down, and it was like high rise. It was, the water was rising. I cheat. I wear those baptistry boots. I mean, he set a new high water mark. I feared for my life. The tallest man I ever baptized was six foot nine. When he got in the water, our people started laughing. Not at him, but at me, like, how are you gonna do this, Pastor? Come on now. Video this one, post it. So I said, I baptize you, my brother, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. You're gonna have to lighten up. 
Anybody have a knee surgery? Come on, let's whine about all our surgery. Where's all the old people? Knee replacement, total knee replacement. Come on, where's our knee replacement people? There you go. You feel my pain? So I had a non-invasive total knee replacement. The doctor's name was Dr. Saw. Well, I don't know what you did. I didn't want to feel a lot of pain after my surgery. So, you know, they give you all these opiates and, you know, pain pills and only so many. And, you, you know, you take two every four hours or is it four every two hours or is it eight every half hour? I forget, you know, sometimes you mix it up. So I'm trying to pastor a church. I had the surgery. I've got my leg elevated. I've got the ice vape, uh, not vaping, uh, vibra- <laughs> uh, vibrating on it. And, and so, so I'm still taking calls. Pastor, uh, we need an appointment. We're having marriage problems. Okay, how about Thursday? And, and, and about that time, a man uh, uh, texted me. He says, Pastor, we were working on the baptistry and the, and the pumps broke, so it, it'll be cold for Sunday. And now I'm fired up. I mean, you know, i got people we're supposed to baptize on Sunday and they mess with the baptistry and that's cold. And I'm upset. About that time, a lady texted me, Pastor, I've made a wonderful meal. I'll be bringing the meal by your house since you just had surgery. I said, now that's a sweet lady. Encourage the pastor. I'm still mad at the guy about the baptistry. So I texted him and I said, if it's, referring to the baptistry, if it's not hot, you'll baptize Sunday in your shorts. Send it in Jesus' name. I love you. And, well, you know how it is. If you don't watch who you're texting, it goes to the last person, not the one behind. So the lady bringing the meal gets this text from her pastor. If it's not hot, you'll baptize Sunday in your shorts. She texts back. She had been a member 35 years. It'll be hot. I made a public apology. (laughs) Number two, pull up to the pump. Learn to laugh at yourself. Number two, get saved and know it. Get saved and know it. Luke, I think 10, 20, the Bible says, Rejoice not that the devils are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Charles Spurgeon, the great London preacher, said, When I realized I was saved and my name was written in the book of life, I felt like I could leap all the way up to the portals of glory and touch the gates. See, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be saved and know it. If you're struggling with doubts, I think I'm saved. Maybe I'm saved. I'm just not sure. And and I don't even remember it. Man, you need to settle that thing. My dad... My dad had such a guilty conscience for things he had seen and things he had done and crimes he had committed. Our family started attending church. She claimed to be an atheist. Well, the pastor got our visitor's card, started coming to our house on Thursday nights. My dad was in bed with us. I think, uh, you know, what all good Baptists do, we were watching Gunsmoke or Gilligan's Island or something like that. We're all laying in bed. My dad looked out the curtain and said, It's the preacher! Turn the lights off. And our power went out. In our, I mean, we turned the TV and the lights off, and Dad said, shh. And the pastor, their car's here. They only have one car. I thought I heard the TV. Shh. Then he left. All right, turn the lights on. My dad was running from God. That happened about three weeks in a row. 
And then finally my daddy called the pastor on the phone and said, whatever my wife has, it's real, and I want it. And he knelt at the pastor's desk, and his hot tears fell on that plywood floor. He got saved. The next Sunday, he made an announcement at church. He said, everyone in the church is invited over to the Ray House for ice-cold watermelon this Sunday night. What? The one who was running from the preacher the week before is now inviting the whole crowd over. He's saved, and he knew it. Are you saved? Do you know it? Not only that, quickly, pull up to the pump. What pump? Prayer and Bible. Prayer and Bible. In thy presence is fullness of joy. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. It's God's word that gives you joy. So I don't have much joy in my life. I'm going through mega trials and don't have much strength. More Bible when you need more strength. More prayer when you need more uh, 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 strength. That's where you get it. That's the joy pumps. When I was in Bible college, I was going to pray on this uh, abandoned railroad car behind the college dorms. I remember jumping up in that dorm, uh, uh, that uh, railroad car, pitch black. And I said, oh, Lord, pitch black. And I heard, I'm here. I mean, verbally, I heard it. And then a great big hand came out of the darkness. And he said, my name's Terry Angel. <laughs> you know who it was? Terry Angel, who's become a great pastor has pastored for decades, used of God. Uh, where did he get his joy and his strength? Prayer. And that's where you'll get yours too. Too busy to pray, too busy. You know, we got plenty of time to listen to the bad news. We got plenty of time to surf the internet. We've got plenty of time to do all those things, but no time to spend with the only one who can give us permanent strength. God's word and in prayer. What else? Quickly here, preaching, it'll always give you joy. I guarantee you, some of you came to church tonight. You came because the pastor made you. Now, he didn't make none of us come. I know. He just he was going to pray the earth would open up and you'd join Korah. I, I know how it is. You better be here on Monday night. I, I, I don't know, but I know this. Our people at our church, when they come in, they're kind of dragging. It's been a rough week. Temptation, trials, world, flesh, devil. You know, they're kind of like the mummy. <laughs> Life support, you know, they're barely breathing spiritually. I've had people look at me and say, it better be good today. <laughs> you know, almost a threat, like, man, if it's not good, I'm never coming back. I mean, I've got to have it. And they look blue in the face spiritually. And you know what happens? Then what happens is the word of God is sung by the congregation. And the word of God is sung by the choir, God's truths. And then the pastor says, open your Bible. The Bible says... And as God's word is being recited, it is called inspired, his book. And what happens is he breathe, God breathes. He breathes into your soul. And in church, you're... And your soul is starting to breathe. And as that service keeps going, something is going on inside of your heart. And at the end of church, you say, See you tonight, pastor. It was your was good. God bless you. Now, I wish you would have come that way. Church, the Bible says in Acts 8, 8, and Philip preached in Samaria, and there was great joy there. Get to church. Get to church. Hear the preaching. 
Well, I'm so discouraged. Put in another sermon. Put in another sermon. Listen, listen, listen. Take in more. What else? Quickly, here's another pump. Oh, by the way, when Nehemiah, excuse me, Ezra stopped building the temple, they quit. God's work stopped. Two preachers showed up, Haggai and Zechariah. And when they preached, the people said, they're right. We need to finish what God called us to do. Preaching gets us back on track. What else? We must hasten. Faithfulness. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I guarantee you, the people that are here tonight, you'll end up tomorrow having more joy than those who didn't come. You'll have more joy in your life than those who are just staying at home for the rest of their life, just going to watch online, who physically maybe could come to church. How come? Because you're in the house of God. That's how that works. Faithful. I don't know the name of it, but I'm told there's a geyser. And you can set your watch by it. It goes up at the same time every day. Crowds of people watch it. It's real old. Forgot the name of it. But, but it comes up and it shoots that water way up. It's called Old Faithful. Not the biggest, not the longest, not the... Why is it f- famous? It's faithful. Set your clock by it. By the way, every one of us ought to shoot to be that Christian in our church. Our goal ought to be, be the oldest Christian in the church. So one day they say, I know brother so-and-so is going to be here. It takes him a while to get out of his car. About the time you get in, they say, you're dismissed. And then you start heading back. <laughs> but a guy in our church named Clark Firestone, World War II hero. The last battle of Midway Navy pilot. Was at Pearl Harbor and got shot down at the Battle of Midway. Spent 17 days on a life raft. When they found him, they thought he was dead. They put him in the morgue. Covered him up with a sheet. He told me the story in person. He joined our church. He said, I sat up and looked around. All these dead people were in there with me. I just started screaming. He was alive. We were starting a church in Oakland. Clark Firestone, I said, Brother Firestone, what are you doing here? He said, I'm going soul winning. He was 87. We got to reach Oakland with the gospel. He was so old, we let him off on the bus. I said, that's y'all street. By the time he got off the bus, beep, beep, it's time for, all right, get back on the bus. When the movie Pearl Harbor came out, he said, Pastor, I know you probably don't want us going to movies, but I was at Pearl Harbor, and I want to see the movie and see if they depicted it right. I said, Clark, you're a World War II hero. I'm not going to tell you anything. Do whatever you're going to do. Well, he drives his old, uh, 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 old car to the uh, 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 theater, gets out of the door, trips over the curb, starts bleeding on his legs. Ambulance came, got him. I went to the hospital. I said, Brother Firestone, are you okay? <clears throat> he said, Pastor, I survived Pearl Harbor, but I didn't survive the movie. that old man's in the hospital filled with joy have you noticed the senior saints in our churches get sweeter and sweeter or they get meaner and meaner it's like that candy sweet or sour David at the end of his life died he was called the sweet psalmist of Israel 
He buried a son. He buried a baby. He buried a best friend. He buried a king. He ran for his life. He was betrayed. He had sour marriages. One of his uh, daughters was abused. One of his sons was murdered. David went through all those things. And at the end of his life, God says, he sure is a sweet saint. He pulled up to the joy pumps quickly, one day at a time. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Next, the second coming of Christ. He is coming back, folks. How many of you right now, if Jesus came tonight, it would really help you out financially? Let's just slip that hand up right now because I ain't never paying these debts that I've rung up. And I finally figured out, Pastor, why Jesus hadn't come back. Now, here's why. It's you teenagers. Yep, you're the ones to blame. You say, what? Yeah, us older people who checked all the boxes off. We've had kids. We got married. We went to college. We got the grandkids. We got our driver's license. We bought a house. We're done. Come, Lord. These teenagers, no. <laughs> we want our license. We want to get a car. We want to go. No, don't do it. Maybe there'll be a split rapture. Old people go and young people go about 30 years later. I don't know. The second, he's coming back. He's coming soon. You can just see it all lined up. You see the, I mean, we were the last nation stopping the deterioration and look at our country. He's coming back. Joy at his coming quickly. Giving gives joy. I've been pastoring just, just a few weeks. No salary. Didn't know where we would live. We moved to California to take over a struggling church. I sat my Bible down after the Sunday evening service, was talking to a few of the few members we had. Went back to my room that night, picked up the Bible. And I said, well, I'll just read extra tonight. And I opened my Bible and found a $20 bill. I said, that's never happened before. That's cool. And I turned another page and found another $20 bill. I'd heard of the riches of God's Word, but had never really personally experienced it. I became very interested in the Bible that night. And I think I read every chapter, or at least looked at every chapter in the Bible. Someone had slipped $600 in my Bible that night. I didn't have a salary. I didn't know where our groceries were going to come from for our little family. You know what God did? God looked down at a struggling pastor and a discouraged pastor and a little bit fearful pastor. And he told someone, slip some money in his Bible. It'll cause some joy. I guarantee you, whoever slipped it in that night was saying, I wonder if he opened it yet. I wonder if he got it yet. Man, I wonder if his wife's crying yet. I wonder what they're doing. Man, I wonder if he's going to talk about it Sunday. Giving gives joy. And you can have that joy anytime you want to. By the way, I'm hoping everybody in this church, you're tithing, you're giving emissions, uh, you're giving personally behind the scenes. It's a joy. I must hasten soul winning. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing. There's nothing that gives you joy more like bringing someone to Jesus Christ. I was out years ago, soul winning by myself, and knocked on a door and had a gospel track. And, and this lady opened the door, happened to be Filipino. Any, uh, is there a lot of Filipinos and... This church, are you the only one that's Filipino? Your wife's Filipino? For real? For real? Where are you? Where are you, miss? You're Filipino? 
Oh, okay, okay. Well, anyway, I'm going to tell the story anyway. So, so this Filipino lady opened the door, and uh, I've been pushed down a flight of stairs. I've been bit by two pit bulls, one German shepherd. I've had one gun pulled on me, one axe pulled on me. I have been threatened. You're not bad for 51 years. You know, it's really not. And, and so I knocked on the door. I've been cussed out dozens of times. And as soon as I said, I'm the pastor, when I invite you to church, she said, you. I said, well, here it comes. R. And you can't just run off. It doesn't look right. The man of God is running away from a woman. And uh, uh, you are. I said, I know. The. I said, here it comes. Most. I said, oh. She said, handsome <laughs> specimen of a man I have seen in a long time. Would you like to come in? I said, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. I better not. I better not. I better not. I came home, told my wife that. She laughed and laughed. And for months, I'd walk through the kitchen. She'd say, you are the most handsome specimen of a man. I was at the ATM machine recently. I mean, I mean, two months ago. I'm getting some cash out. And... I said good morning to a lady at the next uh, 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 money, um, uh, uh, money machine. And she said, hello, but it twang a little Filipino accent. And then I said, oh, oh salamat po. And she goes, oh, you know, you know Tagalog? I said, no, but I've been there. Oh, you are very handsome. I said, this is unbelievable. I was on the plane one month ago. I've got my mask on up to here. And I said, where are you from, ma'am? She goes, I'm from the Philippines. You are, and she didn't say handsome. She said something like, wallow? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, oh, like an omelet. No, no, like a waffle. You are waffle, waffle. I said, what's that mean? She goes, in Filipino, handsome. I just want you Filipino ladies to know this. You have very good eyesight. <laughs> there is nothing that will give you joy like giving the gospel to someone. If they don't get saved, they got the gospel in their hand. Someone can read it. You lead someone to Christ, they'll live forever. They'll walk down the streets of cold. They'll never forget you went by their house or shared the gospel. There's nothing like it. By the way, you're here because of somebody. It was somebody, a parent, a Sunday school teacher, a soul winner, a bus captain, a pastor that started a church, a missionary. Every one of us are saved outside of Jesus Christ because someone cared enough. To tell us, pull up to the pump, pull up to the pump, and last, you got to finish. Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. Acts 20, that I might finish my course, two words, with joy. I close with this. Years ago, I'm a New Orleans Saints fan, I had a chance years ago to play for them. The pro team, NFL team, about um, this much chance. But, you know, you know that is a chance. But um, I was pulling for them during their down season when they lost every game. 
You know, they wore bags to the stadiums with the eyes. And I remember watching a play that about 30 seconds left to the game, and they said, well, the Saints are losing by three. Looks like they'll lose this one too. And about that time, they said, wait a minute, the other team just fumbled. A Saint player picked up the ball. He's at the 50. He's at the 40. There's no one around. He's going to score. They're going to win their first game of the season. He's on the 10. He's on the 5. The guy just spiked the ball at the five-yard line. He had not seen the end zone in so many seasons. He didn't know what it looked like. And he spiked the ball on the five, celebrating, and they lost the game. Let me tell you this. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to quit. One day the trumpet's going to sound, and you're going to say, wait a minute, I was serving. It's always too soon to quit. Too soon to quit a marriage. Too soon to quit church. Too soon to quit serving. Too soon to quit life. You want to finish strong. People have asked me, I'm, I'm 64, I'm a young 64. Some have said, Pastor, are you ever going to retire? Are you going to move away from here? I said, uh-uh. I said, I want to be here when the crop comes up. We've planted too much seed. I want to be here. One day, they're all going to show up at once. You want to finish. So, let me ask you a question. Is this you? It's no fun. I've been there. Or, or are you living on full? It's your choice. You say, well, pastor, what can I expect if I pull up to these joy pumps? You'll find an attendant with nail prints in his hand. And as you pull up, he'll say, been expecting you. And he'll say, fill her up. It's all paid for. And you'll be glad that you did. By the way, somebody needs you to pull up to the pumps on a regular basis. Some of you ought to become a joy pump station where others can just pull up and get joy by being around you. If you're here tonight, you do not know Christ as Savior, whether you're listening online or in person, I invite you. It's the most exciting, joyful life that there is to live. I invite you to join it. It's free. It's a gift. If you need to get the joy back, tonight's the night to start. The very first night of the revival, it's too hard without it. He'll take you back. But it'll take confessing either sin or trying to pass the pumps. I've just been too busy to pull up, Lord. And now I'm slowing down. I'm pulling up. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon the service tonight. Nothing else really matters if we don't.